Well, <clears throat> good evening. It's about 6.30 Eastern Standard Time, and welcome to another edition of Gray Matters, the weekly news and media talk show here on WCBN FM Ann Arbor. My name is Dick Whaley. And I'm Jim Dwyer. <clears throat> here at the tail end of 2019, a year that will probably go down as not really a great one overall. <laughs> well, I sort of ended the way it started. Uh, this is... Ah, there's been a lot of, you know, decade shows this week in the media. Best of the decade, this, that, and the other. Uh, obviously, uh, the American economy is in much better shape in 2019 than it was in 2009. And if you read a lot of economics like I do, there's many reasons for that, not the least of which uh, I believe was... Uh, Activism by the Federal Reserve, the stimulus package, the uh, auto bailout through TARP, and uh, just sort of a steady uh, recovery, but not a booming recovery. And I think that Donald Trump is vastly overstating the uh, economic uh, record that he has uh, racked up, because uh, well, what's be booming is yeah. like is the deficit and and. Right. Inequality and... Uh, well, just uh, because the stock market is going gangbusters doesn't mean that people are able to pay all their bills in the working class sector. Right. And, you know, the stock market, yes, 50% of Americans own some stocks through 401ks and Roth IRAs and that kind of thing. But the fact of the matter is uh, the top 20% own 80% of the stocks. They're the ones doing well. Uh, some stocks, like the tech stocks, are, have been booming for obvious reasons, though there's been a little bit of jaggedness even with them because of the trade war. And uh, interest rates are really low globally, so we may be entering a new uh, paradigm. But there are lots of problems on the horizon, and if I could sort of, in my mind, uh, make a kind of a theme for the de <laughs> the decade, so to speak... Because uh, I think there is some room for optimism and reason for optimism is that I think there's been a consciousness about the relationship between ecology and economy. In other words, there's... I mean, they've always been connected, yeah. but you're right. There is a greater awareness of that now. There's, there's, a, there's a new global awareness. I mean, even a despicable person like Putin... Uh, acknowledged that it might be happening just a week ago in his uh, end-of-year, four-and-a-half-hour press conference. Really more like a majlis. In which he opines <laughs> on everything. Tribal chieftain uh, than uh, real facts responding. But yeah, I, don't, I, don't know, I don't know what he, if he was asked anything about Kim Jong-un and the white horse. <laughs> there were some very strange... Photographs out of North Korea with Kim Jong-un on a white horse. Uh, almost comical. But, um, you know, the the Paris Climate Accord, uh, the United States is scheduled to officially leave it completely in a year. And I think the rest of the world has just moved on. You know, they're like, well, see you later. So there's new consciousness about the uh, problems. But the action is slow. And uh, there are some bumps 
in the road, so to speak. You know, the this is the first year anniversary of uh, the president of Brazil, Bolsonaro, mm-hmm. and he's been unabashed in uh, promoting. Let him burn. Burning down the Amazon rainforest. And Indonesia has had a very terrible year with uh, rainforest decline. And many cities in the globe are becoming uninhabitable, either because of air or rising sea level. Um, There's even strange optimism about the fact that we now will be able to transverse the Arctic because there won't be any ice left up there. By the way, the melting of the Arctic does not contribute to rising sea levels, but the melting of the Antarctic, which is being documented, does. And uh, I think it's great that... uh, What's your first name? Greta? Greta Thunberg. Thunberg, yeah. Yeah, I I think it's great that she was named Person of the Year. Donald Trump Trump was very grumpy about that. Had a hissy fit. Yeah. Said she needed to uh, go into anger management. <laughs> well, thought... gee, uh, he could say that to the mirror, <laughs> yeah. of course. Himself. Uh, <laughs> no, I think it's it's a, one of those really great... Je- I mean, ultimately, the man, Time Magazine Man of the Year is like, what does it really Who mean? Who cares, in the yeah. End? Who cares? I mean, Hitler won it at one point, uh, you know, and he was ascendant. So did uh, Stalin, I think. Right. <laughs> You know, Rudy Giuliani could have been the man of the year because he's the Nosferatu wild card in the whole uh, Trump chicanery uh, debacle. But, uh, no, I think it's a great thing uh, for the youth of the world to have somebody who ostensibly rec- uh, represents them get this kind of recognition. Because here in America, we've got a crisis with firearms, guns. And uh, students uh, are leading the way on the protest for that. Um, That's a lot of pressure for kids to be under. But let's face it, you know, the heyday of the 60s protest movement, those were youth. It's it's really down to the youth. And I think that's where I see uh, hope and positivity for 2020 is that young people are fired up, uh, thirsty for knowledge. Uh, they want to understand better. I mean, <laughs> the one thing you can say that's good about the Trump administration is it's been a sort of a uh, rediscovery of what the Constitution actually spells out. For anybody who's you know making any attempt at all to pay attention, you're being reminded constantly about why the system of checks and balances is a good thing, and why it's supposed to have a you know three co-equal branches, a tripartite structure that the If one gets out of control, the other two have powers to check. And uh, Though what's troubling, of course, are the number of Americans that seem to uh, oppose constitutional law and seem to be almost in favor of some sort of an autocracy or monarchy. Well, Bill Barr would be the (laughs) the cheerleader amongst them. Uh, He seems to have some sort of bizarre... uh, Christian zealotry mandate to impose a, a religious law. Um, I don't know if anybody's ever asked him what he thinks about Sharia law, but uh, that seems to be something that's on his agenda. But, you know, those are the, the corrupt people who are 
currently in control of certain institutions of power, but I think the fact that young people are uh, waking up to their own capacity to understand and push back um, is a very hopeful thing for 2020. Very hopeful, and um, let's so keep you know, pushing, keep pushing, keep learning. Acknowledge some keep also some dark, dark clouds. I mean, I think it's You're. pretty amazing that we have a man of the cloth in Texas. There, of course, was a church shooting over the weekend. Um, praising the fact that the government has given us the right to have guns in church. And more people could have died without those armed guards and people that were packing heat. That's uh, a guy who doesn't really seem to grasp the basic tenets of Christianity. And, of course, you know. More Texan than Christian. <laughs> we've definitely had some unfortunate, uh, blatantly anti-Semitic um, attacks in recent weeks. Uh, hate crimes in the United States, by the way, in 2018 uh, were up. Um According to the FBI, uh, these are real statistics, not not fake news. Uh, this is part of their job. Um, highlights of a recent report that was published back in November note that there were 4,571 reported hate crimes against people in the United States. And uh, they were up 4%. Vandalism is slightly down. Assaults are up. Intimidation up 13%. Simple assaults up um, 15%. The FBI said that 485 hate crimes against Latinos were reported in 2018 from 430 in 2017. It also said that 270 were reported against Muslims and Arab Americans, the fewest since 2014. Uh, and, of course, the shooting in El Paso uh, was pretty much one of the worst hate crimes in American history. I've always been somewhat disgusted by the president's relative silence about these events. He kind of gives the pro forma... Hearts and uh, thoughts, thoughts and, and prayers, prayers and yeah. condolences, our warmest condolences and that sort of thing. But he doesn't really seem to be terribly interested in confronting the growing problem of right-wing hate groups here in the United States and what they're doing. Well, he's openly uh, condemned Jews who don't support him as disloyal. I mean— People do uh, have the freedom to choose whom they want to vote for or support. Um, <clears throat> this uh, penchant for autocracy uh, is, is, you know, allowed to flourish uh, by the failure, the continuing failure of the Republican Party to uh, address the uh, monarchic tendencies of this president. The thing I just read, by the way, was an article by Adil Hassan uh, from the uh, 13th of November edition of the New York Times. And I have another uh, <clears throat> discussion about these, this, this problem, the growing problem, by uh, Jonathan Stevenson. Um, 
noting that right-wing violence has increased since Trump became president. According to the FBI, hate crimes, which by definition, and by the way, those have set a record, uh, the highest number since like the 19, like 1970 or something, back when we still had remnants of the Ku Klux Klan and whatnot. Uh, Right-wing violence is, is uh, <clears throat> mainly targeted people because of their race or ethnicity and are generally undercounted, increased by 17% in 2017. Anti-Semitic crimes in particular increased by 37%, according to the Anti-Defamation League on extremism. And it has attributed 387 killings in the United States between 2008 and 2017 to domestic extremism. 71 of these were committed by right-wing extremists, 26 by Islamic extremists, and only 3% by leftist extremists. 71, 3, those are different numbers. <laughs> um, Big-time difference. And, of course, the violence of the United States government is, is unending. Uh, over the weekend, we saw the United States bombing Iraq, <laughs> uh, a country we occupy. <laughs> Uh, allegedly going after I Iranian militants, uh, which may or may not be the case. Uh, the situation in Iraq and Syria continues to be murky. Uh, rhymes with Turkey. My understanding, murky rhymes with Turkey. Um, there's an there's a there's an offensive going on in Idlib, and allegedly four hundred thousand civilians are. Uh, fleeing for their lives, mainly women and children. Uh, so it's not very reassuring to hear from the president today say that he and Putin are going to cooperate against terrorism. Well. <laughs> what that means is um, I will continue to check in with Pootsie Wootsie on what move I should make next. Right. Uh, you know, and uh, this counteroffensive in northwestern Syria, of course, is being operated by the Assad government, and um, Putin himself is involved. And there have been reports in the last month that ISIS is regrouping in northern Iraq, you know, right where Trump <clears throat> put down the flag, declared victory, and uh, abandoned the Kurds. So there are a lot of problems uh, with Donald Trump's perception of the world and he doesn't have any real answers for Amer uh, the global real problems. And let's face facts. I mean, there's 70 million estimated refugees globally fleeing mainly warfare, instability, and all kinds of, and, and in some cases, even weather uh, catastrophes mm. where uh, uh, areas uh, where rural people are are living uh, can no longer farm because of flooding or uh, this sort of thing. You know, this, the, the documented rise of the seas is occurring. And um, America is blindly talking about 2% growth and a booming economy. <laughs> it's very strange. Uh, we still don't even know really the details of the so-called first phase of the Chinese trade agreement. 
but I am relatively confident that China agreed to virtually nothing. I'd like to point out that uh, more money has been spent on bailing out the farmers due to the uh, trade war that uh, Trump uh, started that I actually like to call the war on trade uh, than the auto bailout. And those are the facts. Uh, China's purchases of agricultural commodities from the United States were about $28 billion in 2016 before Trump became president. They're now down to $9 billion. And even if China agrees to buy uh, more pork for their so-called strategic pork reserve, a concept that is uh, endlessly amusing if you think about it. Sounds like what Homer Simpson refers to as emergency hams. Yeah. Got to keep one on file. Well, the Chinese do have a strategic pork reserve, believe it or not, and they've had problems with swine flu uh, in in the uh, uh, pork... uh, Pork bellies uh, uh, markets that they have, they grow, of course, of course they, they uh, um, harvest many uh, hogs in China. That's w- what the soybeans are connected to, by the way. Soybeans are used mainly for animal feed, not tofu. <laughs> at least the, That'll be a lot of tofu. Yeah, it's... well, at least the, the soybeans that they buy from the United States. Right. So you will invariably hear Trump... Uh, <clears throat> Which, by the way, Michigan is a producer of as well. Yeah, and throughout the whole Midwest. Uh-huh. And um, I don't know that the farmers in the United States are going to be able to survive another year of this. The trade deal is right around the corner rhetoric that we hear from Manunchkin and um, Larry Kudlow and uh, Leitenheiser and the infamous uh, Ron Vara also known as Peter Navarro. He apparently is resorting to Mitt Romney subterfuge. <laughs> what's his what's his handle? Oh, I don't remember. It's Pierre his, his, something. Yeah. It's so ludicrous. It's it's comical. Um but you'll hear Trump claiming a big uh, boom in agricultural sales. Well <clears throat> go back to go and check out where they were at. In the beginning of Trump's presidency, uh, I would venture to say that the United States has probably somewhat permanently lost some agricultural sales to China as they've found other markets. And, of course, the destruction and the connection between the burning of the rainforests in Brazil are directly related to, and, yep. to this. China is not going to be kowtowed. Uh, and, of course, China is guilty of all kinds of very uh, objectionable policies. But let's remember, China views the West quite differently than we view China. Uh, they view the West as an imperialistic menace uh, responsible for the opium wars and the occupation of of their port cities. Let's remember that Hong Kong... Uh, was a British colony until 1997. Red China hasn't even, the PRC still hasn't even taken control of of Hong Kong and are not uh, supposed to do so until 2047, which is quite a ways in the future. Um, 
But you, if you want to compare, and, and Hong Kong's had economic problems of their own now. Hong Kong, by the way, is one of the few countries in the world where America actually enjoys a relatively large surplus, trade surplus. It's an island country. It doesn't have uh, land available for mm-hmm. factories and manufactured goods and scientific uh, agricultural products. agricultural and on and on. Uh, it's obviously heavily populated, so they actually purchase quite a lot of uh, uh, stuff from the United States. Um, in fact, it's remarkable per capita how much more they purchase than Great Britain. Um, You'd think there'd be a greater emphasis placed on supporting uh, pro-democracy protesters in Hong Kong on behalf of the American government than currently there seems to be. Yeah, and of course, uh, China has taken a relatively aloof approach. Certainly, there's been some pressure on, I believe the chief executive's name is Carrie Lam. Um of course, Zelensky these days is called Curry Favor. <laughs> Good to see, by the way, that Zelensky made a deal with Putin over the week. An exchange of prisoners uh, with a allegedly a ceasefire. So it, it shows that uh, Donald Trump actually, at the end of the day, is Mr. Irrelevant. He's a big nothing burger. Uh, well... <laughs> You know, often at this time of the year, <clears throat> people pull together their New Year's resolutions. What am I going to try to do to improve myself or my fortunes in the coming year? Or perhaps a to-do list of projects you've long deferred and need to get around to doing. And uh, I doubt very much that the president has the impulse control necessary to uh, even contemplate such a notion as a New Year's resolution or even, indeed, self-modification at all. But uh, there are a few things that uh, President Quid Pro Quo could have on a to-do list. Uh, Number one on my suggested to-do list is continue to be concerned with corruption. Interesting stories in the last week coming out of Turkey about the vast, large-scale corruption uh, in Istanbul, which until recently was run by a close ally of uh, Erdogan. Um, It's in total disarray. It's massively corrupt. But he's okay because Trump has hotels there, so there's no concern about corruption in Turkey. Uh, In Saudi Arabia, we've had uh, eight executions. Those were the guilty parties. Those were the guys who chopped uh, journalist Khashoggi up into tiny little pieces, like the Pink Floyd song used to say. Uh, But uh, if Trump's really concerned about these sorts of things, well, let's reveal what kind of secret phone calls he's having. Obviously, that's never going to happen. But uh, there's no uh, end of of things uh, to do, but he wants to cozy up to dictators and autocrats rather than put any pressure on them, as uh, previous uh, presidents have done. Yeah, and you know, it's fascinating. I have this old uh, article dated August 30th, 2018. Rudy Giuliani um, was criticizing the crackdown on corruption in Romania. 
fascinating letter dated August 22nd of 2018 in which he expressed concern about the damage to the rule of law being done under the guise of effective law enforcement. The article noted, and it's written by Kit Gillett, that uh, Romania, which joined the EU in 2007, has been praised for its efforts to rein in graft in recent years. Um, Giuliani, of course, representing a variety of oligarchs in Eastern Europe. A couple of weeks ago, we had a strange um, article about the connections between part of the border wall, a $400 million contract that was awarded to a North Dakota uh, contributor uh, to Donald Trump. <laughs> hmm. What's the connection? Campaign contributions. I thought Donald Trump cared about corruption because it notes that the inspector general for the Defense Department will be investigating a $400 million contract for a border wall uh, construction, which was awarded to a North Dakota company after President Trump privately pushed the deal. And it notes that uh, <clears throat> Homeland Security Committee Chairman Benny Thompson of Mississippi um, pushed for the inquiry um, and questioned why the United States Army Corps of Engineers last week uh, were, uh, and he raised, quote, inappropriate influence. Mr. Thompson wrote a letter that said fissure sand and gravel did not meet operational requirements of the United States Custom and Border Protection, and its prototype um, project came into question over the budget. Uh, they have a illustration of the the wall in question that's being somehow constructed in North Dakota to uh, be <laughs> put on the border of the Rio Grande. It's a lovely series of slabs. <laughs> Looks a little like the Black Obelisk. It's Only the, it's, it's the monolith from two thousand one. Yes, the it's no the one is can. reaching out towards it for enlightenment. Well, one enlightening uh, factor, uh, you are listening to WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. Of course, that's an enlightening factor, too, we hope. Uh, but the increasing number of Texas property owners who are stepping forward to say, wait a minute, wait a minute, no, 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 we do not want this wall. I mean, Texans have a say in the matter. Uh, I know Trump will assert eminent domain <clears throat> and his bizarre childlike vision of the uh, expansive powers that he feels uh, are spelled out for him in the Constitution beyond checks and balances, knowing no bounds. Uh, Texans will have something to say about this matter as the process unfolds. Let's face it, uh, this wall is probably never going to happen. Well, it's always suffered from erectile dysfunction for a variety of reasons, uh, something that Donald Trump is quite familiar with. But the North Dakota company, by the way, has never um, made a wall. It's, it's never been in the construction business. So the awarding of this contract is very strange. Um, 
It's interesting that the article notes this. The North Dakota investigation is the latest setback for Mr. Trump's border wall. This week, a federal judge in Texas issued a nationwide injunction preventing the administration from using the $3.6 billion in military construction funds that it secured through a national emergency declaration to erect a wall along the southern border. So here you have a federal Texas judge. This article is dated from the 13th of December. Uh, so this just happened recently. An article by Zolan Kano Youngs uh, in the New York Times. So Donald Trump loves investigations into corruption. I say let the music play on. We have an inspector general investigations being started at the Defense Department uh, into this whole on um, the shenanigans involving Donald Trump's involvement in pushing this contract. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, of course, the judiciary um, is uh, still questioning the constitutionality, really, of Donald Trump diverting money. From the Pentagon's budget. Yeah. Which is Congress enjoys the power of the purse strings. They apportion the money. Uh, Trump does not have the authority to reapportion the money. Those are pending uh, constitutional separation of powers uh, lawsuits that involve Mr. Trump and Congress. So what happens next is anybody's guess. We know that Donald Trump loves to litigate. We know he loves to appeal endlessly. Uh, but he loses uh, mm -hmm. most of the time, if you look up his record. He's actually kind of a big loser in lawsuits. We won't, won't mention that fact because uh, he likes to wave the flag, bang the drum, and thump the Bible. Um, but uh, I don't know. It's It's been kind of amusing to watch him uh, fret and squirm all week about the those articles of impeachment. They haven't been sent forward. <laughs> Nancy Pelosi's like, yeah. I'll get to it when I get what's, back. And what's the rush? Right. We'll see what happens. We're on, we're, we're on vacation. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, the story that's emerged over the weekend, it's today's big story in the New York Times. Uh, inside <clears throat> Ukraine, aid freeze, an 84-day clash of wills. Additional details are mm -hmm. emerging about the nature of Mick Mulvaney's crucial role in finding ways to skirt the illegality 